Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 22 of Leaf Skies. Thanks to our PA announcer and the one from Scotiabank Arena, Mike Ross. Always thrilled to have Rossi do an introduction. Our guests today are Rob Leth, freelance broadcaster in Toronto. And we have a special conversation with Danny Gare, former Buffalo Sabres great, also played with Detroit and Edmonton. And with Danny, we're going to go back to the early days, not the original days, but, you know, five years into the Sabres uh, lifespan is when Danny showed up. So we're talking about early matchups between the Leafs and Sabres and his experiences at Maple Leaf Gardens as a Buffalo Sabre and also as a Detroit Red Wing. I think you'll really enjoy the conversation. It was great to hook up with Danny. We happen to be in the same age group, so uh, we had a great time reconnecting and we have memories of each other from, from younger days. Uh, and it was just a, I, I really felt great after the conversation. I hope you enjoy it. So here's what we can do right now. Let's get into this. Basketball has officially entered the second half of the season. This is the time for teams to prove if they are contenders or pretenders. And DraftKings, the leader of one-day fantasy sports, is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Get in on the action now to claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using the code THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, steal, assist means so much more with a DraftKings daily fantasy lineup. And you saw what happened at the trade deadline on Thursday. Certain teams loaded up. Jump on them. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for players, so what are you waiting for? Here is the call to action. Download the DraftKings app now. Use the code THPN during sign-up this week. DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN, and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Okay. Let's get into the hockey story. Really, only one reference point so far this week. That's the 3-2 win Thursday night in Ottawa in overtime. And some casual reflections on the game. Jack Campbell, very solid in goal, but puck handling skills really negotiable. Cost the Leafs two goals and made the game much closer than it could have been, or should have been, actually, is a better way to say that. Uh, The Leafs, I thought, should have won this game by a couple of goals. So uh, here's what we also come out of this with. The top six players are playing well, not getting a lot of, um, well, I'm not going to say they're not getting opportunities. They're not cashing in. Uh, The scoring goes to McKayev, Spetson, and Hall. And the Hall overtime goal, of course, set up by a marvelous play by Matthews and a nice smart pass by Marner. But but really, without McKayev being at the right spot at the right time and Jason Spetson with that just 
a nice shot that goes in on a deflection. Uh, this is a different hockey game. And if you go back to the game um, on Saturday where they shut out Calgary 2-0, Spets and Hyman scores. So where are the big guns? Well, they're missing in action in terms of getting on the score sheet. But you feel they're only you know, maybe a game or so away, maybe not even a game away, maybe a period away from denting the score sheet. And clearly the Matthews stop at center ice when it could have been a disaster for the Leafs in overtime that created a marvelous play by him that set up the hall goal. I mean, that may be the turning point right there. Don't want to get hasty, but but it's in the wind that the Leafs' top players are about to strike the score sheet. So here's a couple of other things as we look ahead. Two games at home to Edmonton, one Saturday night, one Monday night, and you can do all kinds of speculation about what will happen when the Leafs play Edmonton again based on the counterpunch from Edmonton this time because if you go back, the three games in Edmonton, perfect hockey for the Leafs. They just did everything the way it was supposed to be done and held the Oilers to just one goal. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say the Oilers are not going to score just one goal in the next two games. What are the Leafs going to do about that? Well, we'll see. So that's intriguing. And also... Uh, The tidbit that came out on Thursday, the quarantine rule by the federal government has been adjusted for hockey players during trades in that if the Leafs were to acquire somebody from an American team, instead of having to wait 14 days, it's now down to seven. People are debating whether that's the way to go or not. Uh, The hockey community has its own version of a bubble, and and it's not a strict bubble, but the players are tested all the time. So I I might agree with what the federal government is allowed to have happen there. And and so what it means is, well, we were speculating over the last two weeks that that this was the time for the Leafs to trade to get ahead of that trade deadline because of the 14-day quarantine. Now because there's seven, you could actually see the Leafs going right to the wire, maybe April 12th on trade deadline day, and then the player would be eligible to play on April 20th, which would give them three weeks' worth of action. So it's it's not so daunting now that the Leafs could go right up to the edge and make a trade. And I think everybody is really anticipating what the Leafs will do. All kinds of rumors out there went from interest in Nick Foligno to Raquel and now um, Granlund with uh, Nashville is, is the player on the list, according to a lot of reports and speculation. But we'll actually see what happens as we get closer to the deadline. So let's get to our guests now and, and talking about the game last night. First up, here's Rob Leth, a freelance reporter from Toronto. Okay, so the Leafs go into a overtime performance last night against Ottawa, win three two. What was your takeaway from that game? I thought it was um, it's kind of a common theme that we're seeing with the Leafs lately, where you know they weren't getting the results before, but they got them the last two games, and I thought they carried the play, um, obviously led in shots on goal, but for whatever reason, they're not scoring the way that they should be scoring over the last nine games. They've only scored four goals once, and that was a 4-3 overtime win over Winnipeg. And you think with all this firepower up front, they should be scoring four, five, six goals regularly. And that's a concern for me. Um, Obviously, it's highlighted by Austin Matthews, and he's dealing with a wrist ailment, but he has been shooting more lately. And you know it's going to come. You just hope that it happens soon because over the last month or so, this Toronto Maple Leaf uh, team can't score, and I don't think anybody saw that coming. Yeah, I just look at an Austin Matthews line last night. Three shots on goal, another three missed. Uh, and, and, you know, clearly when you look at the score sheets, uh, the top six guys are not scoring. It's the bottom six. So, I mean, they have their chances. It just uh, They don't seem to be doing the little things to create those um, those uh, sort of workmanlike goals. Or they seem to be still searching for the, you know, the nice shot, the the big pass, uh, maybe, maybe uh, stretching things a little too fine and, and just not getting down to the basics. 
Yeah, I think when you have guys with that much skill, they tend to kind of look for each other and make that that pretty play. But you saw what happened for Ilya Mikheyev last night, who's had <laughs> no luck at all this season. He just goes to the net, and the puck bounces in off his chest. Like You just have to go to the dirty areas, and good things will happen. Jason Spezza just firing a shot on goal, and it deflects off his shin pad and goes in. Like You've got to do the dirty stuff, and uh, you'll get the breaks. Um, you'll get rewarded when you're doing the, the little things right. Yeah, you know what I think they could do is uh, assemble video of of Mikheyev's goals, uh, Spezza's goals, and maybe Hyman's goals because these are the result of either driving to the net, being around the net, or just shooting, and and that's basic hockey. And for the life of me, I can't understand why Jason Spezza is not getting more ice time than he is. Uh, he's been on the fourth line for most of the season, averaging around ten minutes per game. And when he shoots the puck, he shoots the puck with a purpose. And yeah. I think more guys could could look at that example and say, you know, I've got a good shot. I've got to be shooting this hard, not just throwing it on net from the perimeter. And when he shoots, it's such a heavy shot. And um, again, he got rewarded last night. He scored in three straight games. And this is a guy out there leading by example. And uh, you would hope that other guys would take notice. Rob, I don't think I'd, I'd ever could have believed that somebody would have told me we'd be doing a podcast and talking about players learning to shoot the puck. I mean, you know, shooting the puck just keeps the play alive as opposed to the pass that, that either goes uh, off errant uh, or that gets picked off. And so the, the shot keeps the play alive. And speaking of picking off passes, how about that play by Austin Matthews huh. in overtime? We saw a couple of weeks ago, he lifted his leg out like a flamingo and yeah. deflected in off his new uh, custom skate into his own net. And this time he totally redeems himself in overtime and kicks out the leg again. And what an incredible play by him because it looked like a three-on-one going the other way with Austin Matthews on defense, which is not ideal in overtime. And he picks it off and uh, starts just a, an incredible play, um, him to Mitch Marner. Obviously, Matthews had the, the first chance there. And then Mitch Marner finds Justin Hall as the overtime hero. So uh, good things there. And he hoped that something like that sparks them going forward. Yeah, that was a nice change because normally the way Ottawa was breaking out, it had goal written all over it. And, and uh, I don't know if we want to call it a freak play, but it was certainly an advantageous play by Matthews created a really nice rush. And eventually Hall gets the goal. And that was, I mean, that was needed. You could see the effect it had on the team. They were ecstatic about that. And on the other end, you could see the effect it had on general manager Pierre Dorian of the Ottawa Senators. I don't think he's too happy up there in the booth. Uh, he's got to do Swiffer. I guess he wanted to try it out. <laughs> you know, the cleaning person was like, oh, what the heck is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. I just spilled my drink. No, no, sir. You threw your drink after you lost the game. <laughs> and how did he have that much left in his cup that late in overtime? That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, well, obviously prostate's not a problem there. But anyway, we'll just leave that alone. <laughs> now, you know, and, and you know, the Leafs haven't played much, so so I, I thought in the early going, you know, typical signs of uh, maybe haven't played for a while. But but I thought their effort, top to bottom, was pretty solid and probably better than a three-two overtime win. Yeah, and of course you're not going to ever complain when you get the two points, right? Like they beat no. Calgary two nothing, then they won three two, so that's two straight wins back on track there, and kind of makes up for maybe some games that they deserved to win and didn't. It all kind of evens out over the course of a a 56 game schedule this year. Um, but they did a lot of things right. They outshot Ottawa 41 31, so they are getting the chances. They just for whatever reason can't seem to bury them all the time. But when you outscore the other team, get the two points, you move on to the next one. Yeah, and I just wonder, you know, they've done some adjustments on the left side, and, and for whatever reason, 
more so than anybody that I know, the, the Leafs, when you tinker with, with the left side of their line, the, the Tavares-Nylander combo or the Matthews-Marner combo seems to take some uh, a, a bit of time to adjust to who's ever on the left side. And with Matthews and Marner, it's now Simmons, and Tavares and Nylander, it's now Galchenyuk. And, and, I mean, that's not to say that Simmons and Galchenyuk aren't playing well, because they are. It just seems that the chemistry takes a while to uh, manifest itself. Yeah, and uh, it even took a while for Matthews and Marner to get that chemistry together, right? There was a bunch of times when Babcock tried them for a few games here and there, and they never really seemed to click. And then Sheldon Keith put them together, and I thought it took, uh, you know, 10 or 20 games for them to really understand where each other were on the ice. And now they're one of the best combos in the NHL. And I think a lot of people saw that coming, but it doesn't happen overnight. You, you need to learn each other's tendencies, find out where everyone's going, and almost not have to think about where you're going to pass the puck and make the play. And and yet on the third and fourth line, it doesn't matter who plays where they seem to have instant chemistry. So I don't know if that's just a working class situation or, or what, but you know, the, the third and fourth line have carried this team over the last two games. Yeah, I think that's exactly it, Jim. Just uh, when you have energy guys that are, you know, just used to driving the net and going to the dirty areas, it's a little easier to, to get the job done. And when you're highly skilled, you tend to try to do too much sometimes. So now we're left with the trade deadline, and I was expecting something would have been done by now, but we have word uh, through the TSN insiders and, and others that, you know, the uh, the quarantine period is seven days and not 14 for an incoming American player, and that's understandable because they're tested all the time, not exactly in a bubble, but as uh, much in a bubble as, as you can be uh, under the current system so that they feel safe that way, and that gives the Leafs a little more time, which tells me a couple of things, and it, it tells me that the Leafs may have been wanting to do it in a timely fashion, but couldn't find uh, the other part of the equation, meaning the other team to participate. And it also means that uh, maybe they're going to be active on April 12th, the trade deadline. And we were expecting that would have been wrapped up sooner. I, I don't know exactly who they're going after. I saw Grandon played for Nashville earlier this week and he is, uh, he's an upgrade over Kerfoot, but you know, you only have him for uh, till the rest of the season and then he's free and clear uh, in the off season. So I don't know that that's uh, that's the way you want to go. What are your thoughts? I just think when the Leafs are in this situation, any any improvement you can make in the lineup, you go ahead and do it because this is the, this is your chance to win. So yeah. you don't want to regret not making a move because it was only a, a partial upgrade over a guy you already have. You want to go all out and yeah. just make the team the best possible team you can, the deepest team you can, uh, to make sure you can deal with injuries when they happen. Yeah, I was thinking a little more of a roll of the dice than that. I mean, that makes sense, Kerfoot for Granlin and the the dollar category. But I just, you know, and, and again, you're you're going to run into cap problems. But I was looking for a, a bigger name, somebody who wouldn't necessarily play in the top six, but could if need be due to injury or or whatever, a matchup in a playoff series. So so that trade doesn't really work for me. And I, I guess I, you, you go back to Raquel and, and maybe Felino, which, which are more difficult to fit in under the cap, but I would never expect that the Leafs would send one out to get one back. The Leafs, the Leafs are going to be sending out more than one. Yeah, I think they would have to to make it work. And uh, another guy you think about is Taylor Hall. Um, I'm not sure the the dollars and cents there and how you make it work. But if you're looking for a left winger to play in the top six, uh, this is a guy who's a proven scorer and uh, can get the job done, I think would be a great fit on this Maple Leaf team if they can make that work. But of course, any trade that they try to make is, is difficult with the salary cap implications. Yeah, it's uh, they're in a tough spot that way. Anyway, are you ready for this? Let's I play. So. Let's play. Yes, guy, no guy. Producer Mike, let's get, let's have some dramatic music, please. 
Well, that'll do. It's not really dramatic, but it'll do. Yes, guy, no guy, number one. The Leafs played well enough last night, Thursday night in Ottawa to win by more than two goals. Yes, guy. Um, they outshot them 41-31. Uh, Jack Campbell proved once again that he's a solid uh, tender in between the pipes as long as he stays in between the pipes and doesn't leave the blue paint. Yes, guy, no guy, number two. The wrist injury is actually hurting Austin Matthews more than you originally thought it would. Yes, Guy. Um, I think that's the main reason why he's not scoring lately, right? Um, He's playing through it, so you know it's not broken, but you know it's affecting his shot. Um, He's had a few chances recently where he he rings it off the pipe or shoots it wide, and um, you just hope that he rests it as much as possible and he can get back to the shooting ways that he had in the first half of the season. And it's on the shot, isn't it? Because obviously last night on the overtime play, you saw that he could stick handle. So, I, you know, I'm not a doctor. I've never played one on television or radio. But you can imagine on the one-timer, there might be some sort of vibration going to his, to his wrist that would, that would you know, as as the impact happens, would, would affect his hand. And you can see it on the shot, can't you? And he has tried it a couple of times in recent games. But um, I didn't see it last night. But, yeah, you, you wonder if he re-aggravated it and made it worse. Yes, guy, no guy number three. The Leafs need more offensive output from their top six forwards. This is a 100% yes, guy. Um, like we've talked about, uh, last nine games, only four goals once. The top guys aren't putting it in the net. And when they start doing it again, as you know they will, um, the win should be a little bit easier to come by. Okay, final. Yes, guy, no guy. No, Yes, guy, no guy number four. Hello, yes, guy, no guy number four. Are we there? <laughs> I don't think I've ever had four four yes guy no guys before. <laughs> Here we go. No guy, I haven't. <laughs> The, the, the goaltending controversy is over thanks to Jack Campbell's inept puck handling skills. I'm going to say uh, no guy. The controversy mm. isn't over. Um, it's not going to be over until we see what Frederick Anderson can do when he returns from his injury. And if he can regain his top form, I still think that as good as Jack Campbell has played, um, the high end of Frederick Anderson is higher than the high end of Jack Campbell. And it'll be interesting to see if this uh, time to reset here will do him well. I mean, that's a scary thing is that, uh, you know, we like Jack Campbell and are not going to, you know, hang him out to dry for the two uh, puck handling miscues. But you can't have that happen in a playoff series. But really, it's Freddie's tender injury and Austin Matthews' wrist that would make you have second thoughts that are, that may get in the way of success of this team, isn't it? Those two things, right? Yeah, and if the Leafs can, uh, you know, get back to their scoring ways and uh, uh, keep the winning streak going and maybe increase the lead in the division again down the stretch, you would think they would have some opportunities to, to rest both of those players and make sure they're 100% for the playoffs. Okay, now next stop will be Saturday night at home to Edmonton, Monday at home to Edmonton, and then they split out west for two in Winnipeg, two in Calgary. So let's deal with the Edmonton games. I mean, the Leafs have really controlled Edmonton uh, now. Uh, suddenly, uh, you know, the Oilers and everybody else have caught the Leafs in the run for first place. So I would expect these two games to be slightly different, maybe drastically different than the last three times they met in Edmonton. Well, of course, the last three times they met in Edmonton, Connor McDavid had zero points. Yeah. And he's been on fire since then, and you know he's going to be up for these two games. So I think that's the key right there. He's going to be, uh, you know, hungry for some revenge, I would say. And to think that you're going to keep him off the off the score sheet for five straight games is probably unreasonable. So 
you want to contain him as much as possible and as well as Leon Dreisaitl. Um, but again, the Leafs have outplayed the Oilers uh, for the most part this season. And if they can get that game plan back in place, um, I think they should be able to increase the lead in the North Division once again. What I like about playing Edmonton is because you have to be so disciplined as they were in those three games in Edmonton, you have to stay out of the penalty box. You have to watch your checks. You have to you know, really uh, execute your assignments. Otherwise, you're going to be down a goal or two really fast, and, and it may force the Leafs to return to that. I, it's just a thought. I, I don't know that it actually happens, but really it's kind of a non-negotiable situation. Well, I think those last three games were the most focused they've been all season long and just like really made a statement in those three. And I think afterwards, um, you know, it's, it's human nature that they had a letdown. And I think now going back against the others again, their, uh, their focus should be 100%. And we'll see, uh, we'll see what they're made of. Yes, we will. Thanks very much, Rob. Now we go down memory lane. Danny Gare, former Buffalo Sabre, great, also played in Detroit and, and wound up in Edmonton, coached in Tampa Bay, and was in the Sabres broadcast booth for a number of years. I think you'll enjoy this conversation. I certainly did. Take a listen. Okay, so let's go back to the start. Uh, you're, you're born yeah. and raised in B.C. You are a Leafs fan, so take us back to – uh, how you got to the Sabres and your first meeting with Punch Imlach because he was part of the, the Leafs' glory days, really, and, and, and I guess part of the Buffalo Sabres' glory days, too. Yeah, you know, it was funny growing up watching Hockey Night in Canada and, and watching the Leafs every night, uh, Saturday, and, uh, you know, even the Canadians. But the Leafs, always, I always enjoyed, um, you know, the smaller guys because I, I watched Dave Keon and, Dickie Duff, but uh, Punch would be behind the bench and, you know, with the hat, the chapeau on. And I was thrilled uh, to meet him um, when I was drafted by the Sabres, you know, the, the 29th overall pick. And I, I was also drafted in the third round by the Winnipeg Jets. And John Ferguson, you know, God rest him, he was an amazing guy when he played, you know, was an amazing person. And, um, he really talked a lot to me about going to Winnipeg because they had Bobby Hall going there. They had uh, Alt Nielsen, Anders Hedberg. And, and I, I was, you know, I played all my Western Canada hockey in, in Calgary. So I played in Winnipeg, you know, in a uh, good city. And um, Punch decided to fly out on Father's Day because he, he knew that we were negotiating with Winnipeg. And he flew out um, from Toronto, met him in Calgary at the Calgary airport. And, um, I was, you know, in awe to see him and he, he had a contract for me and I decided the night before with my agent that we were going to sign with, 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 um, with Buffalo. Cause I always wanted to play in the NHL and, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was awesome to meet him. Uh, he, he, he gave me a signing bonus check that was very good. And, um, I remember him flying back to, to Toronto to, and then off to Buffalo, but he, after he left, I called my mom and dad and told them, you know, I'd sign the contract. And, and my mom told me, Danny, don't lose that check. So, um, <laughs> no, it, it was pretty, um, it was pretty, a pretty cool moment for me as a, as a 19 year old person. And then going to Buffalo to training camp was, was, you know, another, another, um, hurdle in my life, but, uh, it, we had a hundred kids in St. Catharines and a uh, hundred guys, they should say. And um, I ended up making the team that year. 
I mean, but to think of it, to be to be 19, to be talked to by Punch Imlach, who you knew yeah. as the Leaf coach uh, from way back yeah. when, to be talked to by yeah. John Ferguson in the WHA, who was um, as big a player as you could have, and, and understanding that if you if you went to the Jets, you might be playing with Bobby Hall. I mean, that that's quite a treat, isn't it? It, it was, it was, it was, trust me, I, I was weighing them big time and they were pretty close in the dollars, but, um, again, it came back to playing in the national hockey league, which is something that, you know, as, as a youngster, you dream about, it was, it was, yeah, it was, John was, John Ferguson was a very persuasive individual, if you want to say <laughs> that. And, um, even when he played, he was like, that, yeah, but, uh, punch punch was you know he he came like that it, it, it was funny um you know and punch and i were he came out to nelson um after my rookie year they had a day for me because i was uh we went to the finals that year and uh, my first year and uh, i had you know runner up to rookie and, and he came out for it for my you know and it was awesome uh, him and dodo came out and they stayed uh, at the hotel and came up for dinner one night on our, on our deck. And I'll never forget him saying, why would anybody leave here to go on vacation? You know, because it was so pretty <laughs> Nelson, a great little town. So yeah, no punch was, he was, um, he was a special guy and he really knew talent. I mean, he brought in the French connection. He brought in Jim Schoenfeld. He brought in his, his draft picks were very strong early Leaf Oglin. Um, early in the in, in the making of the uh, the Sabers, but the Leafs, the Leafs, he did not too shabby either, I must say. <laughs> well, yeah, but but you know, there's a, a bit of an image uh, contrast because if you're you're talking about a guy who travels out to see you in your hometown with his wife, yeah. and and the Maple yeah. Leaf image yeah. of Punch Imlach is this um, stern, uh, no nonsense coach, yeah, yeah general yeah. manager, yeah. but there's another side to him, right? It certainly was. Um, yeah, no, he was always accommodating. You know, um, when I became captain of the Sabres, we talked a lot. Um, uh, he was, yeah, I mean, he, he had that side of him, definitely that he was, you know, gruff and then tough. But, um, you know, when you got him away from the rink and then even up in his offices, he, you know, he'd call you up just to talk to you and, and, you know, try to get a feel for the team a little more. And, um, you know, yeah, he was – I mean, he and, you know, him and Dodo would be at every game, you know, like they'd be sitting up in the corner in, in the arena. And um, it was – it was – it was – and then he went back to the Leafs, I remember, from, from Buffalo. Um, and that didn't last long after he left Buffalo. But, um, no, he – he was an unbelievable, legendary hockey man and, and, and a good person. I mean, I, I enjoyed his company. So let's go to the battles on the ice because the Leafs and Sabres, and I don't know if it's Punch Emelak who created this or, you know, maybe even the late Tim Horton. I mean, there were ex-Leafs right. that played for Buffalo in the early stages. And, you know, as we all sadly are aware, Tim Horton's last game was – with Buffalo right. Maple Leaf Gardens, and I can clearly remember that performance because you couldn't take your eyes off him that night, and who knew it was going to be yeah. the last time you'd see him. But there's this weird chemistry between these two franchises, and it gets really weird when they play each other. Did you have any – you must have had some wacky games against the Leafs. We did. And one of the things that, you know, being – what really – uh, I think fostered a lot of it was them being in our division, obviously, and the rivalry started right off 
I mean, I wasn't there when they first started in the, in, in 71 and, and uh, 72, but I came in 74 and, and there was a rivalry already. Um, and I, I remember um, one of the things that we always bus up to Toronto, you know, and Toronto did the same. They, they would bus. And it was, you'd go up to QEW, you'd be there, you know, for the morning skate and, and then, you know, you, you would stay at the hotel in the, the Westbury or somewhere. And, um, and then you go over to the rink to the Maple Leaf Gardens for the game. And I always went over to the rink early, but it, it was just this, the, you know, I, the stigma of Maple Leaf Gardens. I mean, it was, you know, when you grew up as a Canadian, or it was just like the Montreal Forum. It's like the tabernacle, I used to call it. Yeah. But um, they, they were just amazing buildings and, and, the one thing that we always seemed to have was Jim was a, a real fast team, a good skating team. Like we had Jill Perrault, Rick Martin, Renee, who was on the French Connection. Our line was Luce and Ramsey. Um, and then they had Freddie Stanfield and Spinner Spencer. We had guys, Peter McNabb, the guys that were pretty good skaters and quick. And, and when we were playing, and obviously in, in our building in the odd, it was smaller ice surface than compared to the 285 that, um, you know, the Toronto had and Toronto had Don Craig there. I never forget this to the jet ice. They had the jet ice and, and their ice was always the best ice. Some of the best, you know, I mean, and it would be, we just fly, we'd, we'd get on that ice and it just seemed like, you know, it, it, it suited our hockey team. But, um, the one thing, the other thing that came about too, is that Toronto was always on hockey night in Canada, you know, um, that was just part of the, the way, um, you know, the, the Leafs or the Canadians, so it's much like when I grew up, you know, so we were all Canadian kids and we wanted to show people back home, you know, how, how we were doing, how our team was doing, because the Sabres weren't on national TV in Canada at all, you know, very seldom, um, other than their local broadcasts, they would go into St. Catharines or Hamilton, but no, so that was a big incentive for us was to play well in front. About, you know the fans that were watching it on TV, but the rivalry was great. I'll never forget, um, uh, you know, a couple times we had a couple, couple brawls during <laughs> during the you know during the yeah. times that were there. Um, it wasn't back then. It seemed like it, it was an uh, it was an occurrence every other game back when we played. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, it was. We had. A, I'll never forget. Uh, it wasn't in, I think it was in Buffalo. Yeah. Um, you know, we were, we were playing. Oh, I, I'll tell you the story. This is my second year and it was against the Leafs in Buffalo, the last game of the season. And we had a good year. We had over a hundred points. The Leafs, I don't think it mattered where the standings were. And Richard Martin had 49 goals and I had 47 goals. And, um, and I, it was funny before the game, I, I you know, I wasn't thinking about everybody was Rico, Rico, Rico for 50. And Fred Stanfield came to me in the dressing room and he said, Dan, you know, you should think about this. You know, you're pretty close to 50. I wouldn't, you know, just, just discount the fact that you can get there, you know. So I was like, well, okay, you know. And then, so then we line up against um, our our line, Luce Ramsey. We're the checking line. And we line up, you know, we started every game almost because we played against the top lines. And we line up against Daryl Sittler, um, Lanny McDonald, and I line up against Tiger Williams. <laughs> so Tiger, Tiger, who I played against many times in the Western Canada Hockey League, he was in Swift Current, and um, we went, we battled back then. And he, he gives me this only as Tiger could. 
Hey, you're not even going to get a sniff tonight. You think you're going to get a call? You know, you're not getting nothing tonight. You know, rah, 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 rah. And I'm going, why don't you just shut up? I go, or something like that. I got pissed. I got pissed off. So that kind of pissed me off. And then neither one of us scored in the first. And then I got one in the second to get 48. And then, um, and then in the third period, uh, I. I never played the power play. I only had six power play goals, which is something when you think about it, and 50 goals. And then I scored two. Floyd Smith, who was a former Leaf, who was our coach, put me on there with Gilbert and, and Rico and Renee. And I scored two, and Rico assisted on both goals in the third period. And he never got it, and I did. So I get the puck, and I'm going by the bench, say, hey, Tiger, that's 50, you idiot. You know, I'm going like this. And he jumps out and starts swearing at me and whatever. But, uh, but that was, yeah, that was kind of a, that was a, that was a moment I never forgot. <laughs> but, well, I mean, some of the matchups, you're talking about playing against Tiger. Uh, those Leaf teams were really good. Your team was, was really good. The year before, you got into the Stanley Cup final, uh, which is something the yeah. Leafs still haven't done. So, I mean, there, there's some, I mean, these were really good. Both teams are obviously really good hockey teams. So, I mean, and they were odd. It's odd that there were some weird moments, but there were. That, that's just, the nature of the franchise uh, history of Sabres and Leafs, isn't it? Yeah, no, it, 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 it went back and forth. Um, I mean, um, even up in the, you know, when uh, I remember when I was doing broadcasts, the Sabres, the Domi and Ray fights. I mean, Rob Ray and, and, and Ty Domi, they'd be going at it. I mean, it was, yeah, no, it was, you know, it, it, it's been quite a rivalry. I, I mean, when you think about it, um, uh, the, you know, the, uh, uh, the QEW series, whatever they call it, but um, the Sabres just haven't got much of that this year for the oh. last 10 years. So. Well, <laughs> so it's still, well, that's for it's another still, day. Yeah, they still had some, some moments against the Leafs, though. But but having said that, yeah. you know, we're talking about what's happening on the ice. And over the years, I know that I did this myself when, yeah. as a kid. You'd, you'd go to a Buffalo game because you could get the tickets easier than you could. Right to Maple Leaf right. Gardens. And so when, when the Leafs played Buffalo, much like when the Leafs go to Detroit, there's, there's a, and it, it's more so in Buffalo, there's a big contingent of Leaf fans right. there. I mean, was it like that in, in your day? And what did it feel like? No, you know what? It, 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 it really, we had, now, like I said before, we had, I'll bet you 25, 30% of season ticket base when I was there, Oh, I was put. I played seven and a half years, and it was sold out every night. The sixteen thousand four three three every night I played. Um, but I would say thirty percent of them were from Canada, um, from the St. Catharines, Niagara Falls, you know, Hamilton people. Like you said, they yeah. couldn't get tickets to the Leafs, so they they bought season tickets. So I mean, it was there was there there was certainly you know. Um, a, a Canadian ceiling. We played both anthems all the time. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, yeah. For an American team. Um, but no, it was um, it was it definitely then. And then after when they, you know, they they had a few tough years. People stopped going, and they put them on StubHub or wherever. And that's when they leave. So I mean, it was like going into. You know, I mean, when I was doing the broadcasting, I couldn't believe, like, the number of fans from Toronto because they could get the tickets and the Sabres sold them for more than what their base value was. And it was uh, it was disappointing to see for a Sabre, a former Sabre, to see all that, but that's the way of the world right now, you know. And 
and yeah. then it's times changing. But you mentioned Detroit. I'll tell you another story that I'll, that was kind of interesting with me with the Leafs. When I got traded to Detroit um, in '81, I, you know, they were they were the dead wings there. That was a tough year for me. My dad had died at Lou Gehrig's. I was getting married. Um, yeah, it was yeah, it was a tough year, but um Mike Illich bought the team the next year and um named me captain with Jimmy Devlano and Nick Polano came over from Buffalo, who was an assistant coach and and they brought in Brad Park and um some other veteran players and and they drafted a kid named Iserman who sat <laughs> next to me. Uh that was that wasn't too shabby. And um <laughs> And the other guy on my right side, 17, was Gerard Gallant, buddy. Oh. And so 17, 18, and we, we were, we made the playoffs back to back for the first time in 20 years there uh, under Illich's, um, you know, his first couple of years under his ownership. And, and I'll never forget, I don't know it was the second year Stevie was there, but um, we, <laughs> we were in Toronto and we were in the division, the old, uh, Chuck Norris division, you know, where yeah. Toronto was, in, 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 and it was tough. It was a tough battle too. I mean, I could, <laughs> I think that year I had 230 penalty minutes. I mean, I I fought and did stuff and had penalty minutes, but that year was it was really a a trying year. But we were battling for a playoff spot, and it was late in March and uh, about this time, and uh, of the year, and we we were in Toronto and. I think we played them back then nine times. I don't know. It was a lot, but yeah. we were we were battling, and and Rick Vide was their captain, and then uh, they had they had a good team, you know, Gerlego, and um, you know, I'm trying to remember some other names, but they had Hutchison, they had you know, they had some tough guys, and yeah. um, <laughs> and we before the game, you know, we're at the morning skate. And then after the skate, I see as I'm walking out of the old visitor's dressing room there at the, at the gardens, there's like a little common area. And I see Nick Plano talking with these two big guys in suits. So Nick calls me over and I go, oh, not now, you know. And he goes, yeah, this is uh, RCMP so-and-so and our plain clothesman, okay? Yeah. And uh, they're here to notify me that there's a threat on your life in tonight's game. Huh. Me. And I'm really? going, really? I go, well, he says, well, and the officer said, no, Danny, it could be just a, we think it's out of Vegas. We tracked it through. And it was a, someone betting on the game because we were both all, we were fighting for a playoff spot. It might have been a leaf fan. I don't know. It could have been a hoax, but, but they have to take it seriously. So, I, you know, I said, oh, thank you. You know, that I said, so we'll be here tonight to check, you know, to look, look around the gardens. So, so I go to lunch, and I'm thinking, Nick goes, wow, what do you think? You know, I go, well, and I told a few players. I told Brad Park, and they were asking me about what was going on. So, and then I get to the rink, and I'm going to play the game. I got to play the game. So uh, I, I, I ended up – I ended up uh, getting going out for the warm-up and then coming back out, and, and then I get – put in the starting lineup from Nick Polano in Maple Leaf Gardens. And I'll, you're lining up on the blue line, okay? And Brad and Park says, like, I could have I been on the bench and dodged a few bullets, you know. They made much. But, <laughs> so Brad Park and the guys, he, Brad Park goes, well, I'm going to move over here. It's just in case all the other guys are at the end of the blue line. I'm standing there all by myself on the blue line. 
And uh, like if a sniper was there, he could have caught me easily. But anyway, I was pissed off about Nick doing that. But we were we were losing. Palmateer had a great game, and uh, we were losing. I think it was three two with five minutes to go. And I got I was fortunate. I had a pretty good year that year, and I scored the tire and the winner in the last five minutes on Palming. I deked him on one and went backhand, which I never could do a backhand. But we ended up winning the game, and everybody was happy after it all. Although the Leaf fans and whoever sent the, you know, the death threat in wasn't too happy. But so yeah, that was uh, that was my <laughs> other little little note about being Maple Leaf Gardens, which I loved that rink. I just loved it. Well, I mean that's hilarious because they gave you the rookie treatment, even like you were facing a death threat. They... Yeah, yeah, no, it was like it was like, why don't you just put me out there and let me clean? Yeah, exactly. And it was like, you know, it was it was hilarious. I mean, after the game, but I certainly was anxious before. I, you know, you just don't know. But um, anyways, it was <laughs> it was well, wait, 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 wait a minute now, you you were the captain, weren't you? I was, yeah. Oh, nice, nice way to captain. see the captain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and we were really close with the Leafs. I, I, we ended up winning, or we got in the playoffs that year. Um, I think that was the first or second year in a row we, we made the playoffs. And then the next year I went to Edmonton, and they went on. And you know what they did in Detroit. But, um, yeah. you know, yeah, so. <laughs> well, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I I used to always say about Maple Leaf Gardens, you know, from my spot in the press box, what I really loved right. about that rink was you could look down and, and uh, even though, you know, the, the, the building had been repainted and the seats were different right. and, and they, they put yeah. end, uh, end boxes, but when you just looked at the ice and you would have the same feeling in the Montreal Forum as a player, you understood that everybody who ever got into the Hockey Hall of Fame played on that ice. Did you feel that? Well, you felt so many things. I think, Jim, it was like you, you felt that it was like I said, like a, it, it was um, like a tabernacle. It was they were they were just buildings that you grew up watching, and then to have the ability to go and sit in the dressing rooms where where um, you know uh, George Armstrong's, you know, or the visitors Gordie Howe sat. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, was, yeah. it was just. That were where the you know the big M played you know guys like that that I was you know grow up just idolizing, um, yeah it was and then the ice was always pristine. I mean, some rinks like the Madison Square Gardens, the rinks you know because they were used a lot, their ice was lousy. You know, Boston's would be so-so, but the original six always seemed to be, especially in Toronto, Montreal, were were pristine ice surfaces. They. You know, and and like I said, our team we love, and I could skate. I was I was I was a good skater, but yeah. it just it was just um, it was just so neat. And then when I became a broadcaster and did the games, they had one of the best press rooms I've ever seen. Like the food, the sandwiches, yeah. <laughs> and they even Keep gave us beer after the game. Yeah, oh, be quiet about God. that. Yeah, I know. Not to say that. But. Well, let, 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 let me end it on this. Um, when you were playing, can you recall a scene where you were on the Gardens ice and you thought back to when you were a kid watching that ice on, on Hockey Night in Canada? Did you have a moment well, like that? I can. I can. I, I You know what? I, I, I'll tell you this. I think it was the last game I played with the Red Wings and, and in Toronto. My daughters. Um, no, I was working with Tampa. I was on coaching with Tampa. Sorry. 
and I was coaching and my daughters, I'd gone through a divorce. My daughters were, Danielle was eight and Kelly was seven. And I was down in Tampa coaching with Terry Crisp and Wayne Cashman. And the visiting team always got those two seats next to the bench sometimes, right. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, uh, Terry Chris said to me, or Phil Esposito said, why don't you bring the girls up, and, you know, from Buffalo? And a friend brought them up, and um, they sat there for the game. And I don't know if we won, lost, or whatever, but we walked off the ice together, you know, yeah. holding hands. And I said, this is, this is where, you know, Dad played. Yeah, so I think those it was cool to do that with my daughters and um and I was every time I played in in, in 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 you know in the garden. I mean, I played I don't know how many games, but we always seemed to do well there. And um, it was a fun place to play. And the Leafs, you know, I got to play with Daryl Sittler later, and I knew Lanny and from Canada Cups, Lanny McDonald, and you know, class acts, class people. Uh, um, you know, just guys that you know that were that wanted to win and um even tiger for that matter i saw i see tiger you know once in a while in the off seasons in vancouver at different events and uh, he's you know he, he's just tiger and, and and those were those were like pure hockey days for me like they were just fun games and even though they were tough games they were there were times that you just enjoyed the competitive spirit you know well i mean there's you talk about odd coincidences so you would be playing with uh, Daryl in Detroit, right? I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah Daryl came from Philadelphia. And it was weird, yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah Daryl was there for a year and a half or so. Now he, you know, we were at the, kind of the tail ends of our careers, but um, he was still a good player. And um, I see him, you know, an alumni. I see a lot of I, In fact, I played quite a few games. Uh, we played, you know, with, with the Leafs alumni, um, you know, and uh, a lot of alumni games. I don't skate as much as I used to, but, um, no, the Baycrest tournaments, a lot of the guys would be there. So, yeah. All right, was, I just looked um, it up. So, I just looked it up. You played with Tiger in Detroit, too. That That's extremely Tiger, weird. Yeah, Tiger, <laughs> 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 You're right, <laughs> Yeah, I think I had too many concussions when he came there. But no. <laughs> that is wild. Yeah, and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Daryl was there, you're right. Ed Tiger. Um yeah, we they brought in a few guys. Ricky McLeish came over for a while. Um Brad Park was, was there also, yeah, like I said. Ronnie Dugay. So we had some veterans but but then they then then uh and they, that was pretty much got us into the, you know, to, to where they, I think the veteran guys uh, brought up the younger guys uh, in Detroit, and that seemed to move on from there. But, but no, this was good, Jim. It was good chat with you. I enjoyed watching yeah. you at Global for many years. We used to get you down in Buffalo. I'd see you in passing. It's uh, nice to reconnect. It, it is, and we, we are born in the same year so i was kidding you earlier about you being <laughs> older than me but you're, you're older than but me by only a couple you, of months <laughs> you've got you've got a lot more hair than me my friend <laughs> i think it was that bubble helmet that i wore <laughs> but i can remember a story where my father worked at a factory and he had uh, he had the helmet the uh, the hard hat 
and he kept saying it took yeah. his hair out. So, so yeah. I remember. <laughs> I never wore a hat. I've never worn a hat to this day because well, I didn't want to end yeah, up with. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck to you. Good luck and good luck to the Leafs. And yeah. good luck to the Leafs. I, I, I like to say that about the Sabres, but good luck to the Leafs. Let's we'll cheer for somebody. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Danny. Really appreciate it. Okay. Take care. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Last minute of play in this podcast. Well, there is the time warning for Mike Ross, so time to hand out the Yes Guy, No Guy Awards. Yes Guy Award number one, Jason Spezza, three goals. Three games. Just shoot, baby. Oh, yes, guy. Yes, guy. Award number two, Mikheyev. The puck goes in off his shoulder, but it doesn't do that if you're not in the right spot at the right time. Drive to the net. Get in the right spot at the right time. Goal. Yes, guy. Now he's got a split here, a dichotomy, if you will, of yes, guy, no guy. Yes, guy to Jack Campbell, the way he plays goal. And, oh, no guy to Jack Campbell when he goes to handle the puck. An absolute no-fly zone. Do not do it. Unfortunate Thursday night. So he gets a yes guy for his tending and a no guy for his puck handling skills, which is kind of a stretch. Hope you enjoyed episode 22. Hope you come back for episode 23 on Tuesday.